Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church Podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest preachings from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for those testimonies as well. Today we're coming under the subject alignment, but before we go into it, let's just pray. Spirit of the living God, Lord, thank you for your presence, Lord. Father, we, we need you, Lord, to, to really understand, Father, for this not to be a religious moment, we need your presence, Lord. Father, religion will not do anything for us, and we're tired of it. Every time it comes around, even in our own hearts, Father, we see how it makes us, it makes us so distant from you, Lord. It has hurt so many other people. So, Father, we, what we want today is your revelation, Lord. Will you bring your word to our hearts, Lord? Will you reveal your heart to us, Lord? If you do that, we will be transformed, Lord. We will have direction, encouragement, correction, whatever it is, Lord, that is you wanting to do. Father, bring your word. Bring your word. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Today we're coming under the subject alignment, as I said. And as I was praying for this time together, I was thinking about difficult and different situations that I have lived in my life, especially in the last few years. And... Um, that I would understand as them as they were difficult. But later looking at them, I would say that they have been preparing together with my wife, our hearts and our family and even our staff here as Hope and Anchor, you know, the, to the things that God has for us. Trying to understand the heart of God has always been our, our quest. We, we just really want to understand Him. We can read a lot, we can do a lot for Him, but if we don't get Him, it's pointless. And the purpose of church is not to fill our heads with information, but it's to see the hand of God. And, and that will transform us and that will deliver us and that will encourage us. And that will give us vision for tomorrow. And it will divide the waters from our today. It would actually do so much. And as we come into the Word of God today, we're going to talk about Nehemiah. I have been in a journey with the Lord, just really kind of trying to understand his heart behind this epic story, the memoirs of Nehemiah, how his book is, is said to be. And um, I've, I've been trying to understand because I really believe that the church is, is on a journey, it's in a moment, history. It's about to start building up what has been destroyed. I, I believe that it has nothing to do with the pandemic and, and, and fears and the economical forum or the banks or health systems or all the fire that we see in all the governments around the world. It has nothing to do with that, but it has to do with God positioning His church in a place where we actually can bring the healing that he has longed to bring for generations. And I believe we are in a very prophetic and a very deep time of God reconciling his love with his people. And I believe that that's not a light topic. I, I'm not taking that as a light thing, but I really want to go into this. Alignment in the, in, the, in, the, in the dictionary actually means arrangement in a straight line or in a correct relative position. So to be aligned is to be in a, in a correct relative position. You have to be in the correct position relative to, and I would say relative to God. To be really aligned in life has to do with that. The, the dictionary will take us so far as it can. But when you have a relationship with God, you got to understand that you're walking in the line of God. You're not walking on your own desires. And that has to do with you adapting to the correct position relative to God. Also, the dictionary will help us saying that alignment is a position of agreement or alliance. And that cannot be even more true. 
Because the, the reality of it is that when we are in a position of agreement with what God sees and the times and the times that he, uh, he's bringing, he's ushering in over his church and over the world or over every sphere of society, we're able to see what he wants us to see. And if we're able to see it, if we're able to hear it from him, we will not only be transformed, but we can lead others into that. I want to form an alliance with God. We're that kind of church all around the world. It has nothing to do only with hope and anchor. God is calling us to an alliance, alliance to his timing, alliance to his perspective, alliance to his power, because God is bringing something new. Alliance, alliance. Today we're going to cut off Nehemiah 1 and chapter 1, and it says like this. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Arxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanai, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and, and, and about how things were doing in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well. <laughs> Haven't you received a call? Have you not received a text lately in the last year that it says, well, things are not going very well. Things are not going very well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to God to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, Adonai would be another version. Lord Adonai, Adonai, God of heaven, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Verse 8 says, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If, you're, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commandments and live by them, then even if, even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescue by your great power and strong hand are your servants, O Lord. Adonai, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today. Another version says, grant me good success. Today, by making the king favorable to me, put it in his heart to be kind to me. Because in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Okay, so we have Nehemiah. And let's go into it. Let's go deeper. When we go into the story, this is Nehemiah. His name actually means God comforts. And he's the son of Hakaliah. Okay? First line. 
it gives us so much. The, the, the man that his name means God comforts is the son of Hakali. And Hakali actually means who waits on God. So in the first line, these are the memories of God, what God comforts the ones that wait on him. That first line, if you didn't get anything else, this season God wants to comfort us, but we need to learn how to wait on him. Everything is good on a waiting period. Everything that is good, we need to wait for it. I will be said sometime in my life when I was younger, I was looking at a Christmas tree and probably my mom, when you see this mom, hi, you will remember. But he was a cupbearer. So Nehemiah, the cupbearer, the one that God comforts, his name means that, he's actually in a place of prominence. He actually is living with the king, but he's no wimp, you know. He's a slave and it means that he was born because of how this was written. It means that he was born in captivity. He was born in captivity and he had not been in Jerusalem. And he was asking, his brother came over, he was asking how are things going back home. Although he had never been there. So that means that he had a sense of respect for where he was coming from. Nowadays, we don't know where we're coming from. Or maybe it's just unrespected. We don't respect anything that has nothing to do with me. And me, and me, me, me. But he had a different heart. The God that comforts gave him a very different heart. A heart to comfort those that mourn. Those that are in trouble and distress and disgrace. And it's not only that. He's working for a king that killed his own brother. So he's the cupbearer. He's the bodyguard. He's the, the security of a king. Because back in the day, this kind of people will kill their kings. So he's working for a king. He's the cupbearer. He's like the one that is always next to the king, realizing that if something is wrong, he will have to take it first. So he's living a selfless life for a king that killed his own brother in a land that has kept him and his family captivated, like slaves, like a token of war. So this is the context where we are right now. Nehemiah. This is the guy that is praying. This is the guy that is talking to God. I think that's a very difficult life. I think that he had the wherewithal to really strip himself from any rights to complain, to be able to be in that position. It means that he was in the favor of God. Still, while he could not see the fruition of it, he had never even been to the land that he was calling his own. And his brother came. His brother, actually, his brother's Hanani, his name means gratified by God. But when Hanani came, he just gave bad news. He gave to Nehemiah the wrong news. But I would say they were the right news in the right moment. Nehemiah might have perceived it. It says that he sat down. You know when you have been given some news and you just, you just take a minute. Let me just sit down. You know when someone calls you and it says, hey, are you sitting down? You know those are not going to be normal news either are going to be really good or very negative there's a stigma with that situation he sat down it says that he fasted and he mourned for days when he heard that his inheritance his people were in disgrace they were living in the ruins of their yesterday of the annihilation of the broken walls of jerusalem when he heard that that was the condition he mourned some of us are so self-consumed that we don't mourn for anything. We have, and we pass through people in the streets. It happens here, it happens there where you are. 
And we don't, we're not concerned about the things that are happening to the people sometimes. But God is calling us to be a church like Nehemiah. He wants to invest in us the spirit that He put it in Nehemiah. He wants to touch our hearts and create in us a right spirit, David would say. He wants to create us the same heart that He put it in Nehemiah. Heart that was concerned, that would mourn, that would even actually fast and pray for someone else. How do we pray? When we are aligned with God, when we align with God, we pray with the things that God has in His heart. And as a church, we need to hear the voice of God. How do we hear the voice of God? What was the last thing He said? What are your feelings telling you? When is the last time your conscience said, don't do this, but do that. Give this, don't hold it back. When was the last time the Holy Spirit gave you a prompting in the supermarket about someone there, someone that you saw and it looked sad? Maybe they didn't look, they didn't look with it completely and you could have given a hand. And then later on you felt that you, you didn't want to do it. You felt taken back when you didn't. But we have to align with Him. We have to align. We have to align with Him. Alignment. Being in a position of agreement. Actually taking a position that is correct and relative to the God that we serve. We say Adonai. We say Lord all the time. We love to sing about it. But we don't align ourselves in the correct position. And then we cannot really benefit from the right perspective. But Nehemiah was benefited from the right perspective because at the moment he started looking for God. He prayed. And he prayed not only for him, he prayed for his nation. How do we pray? That tells us if we have a culture of me, 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 or we have whatever you want, Lord, kind of culture. God is leading us to get out of a me, me, me culture because everything around us is pushing us. Society, all the platforms are pushing us. All the filters is about me looking good, me looking that way, me being presented the right, the right way, but not the real way. And God is wanting us to detox from this, from a me perspective to a you perspective. Adonai, Lord, here I am. I want to see what is in your heart, Lord. The way that we pray says, how much we are empowered to follow God in the purposes and the agreements that He has for us. Are we agreeing to be in the position of hearing God or not? He's a cupbearer in a nation that will kill his own kings to take their place. He was not a wimp. He was a very, very, very strategic man. And God had set a man in the inside. This was an inside story and an inside job. God actually set this man in the middle of the context that he wanted to be able to produce a miracle for the whole nation of Israel. But he needed a man that had that kind of heart. And I'm telling you, I want to have the heart of Nehemiah. We want us as a church to be that kind of church that has a heart for its city, for its nation, for its country, for the families, for the people that are in the streets, the vulnerable, the needy, the ones that are being ostracized and divided from. We want to be that kind of place, that kind of people, that people can come and rest and then have that bomb of joy. We want to be that. We don't want to take the cross as we have been celebrating in the week past so lightly that we leave it as a celebration. We want it to be made alive through us. Jesus said, come to me, those who are weary, and I'll give you rest. And if Jesus lives in us, people are going to still come. They're going to come weary. They're going to come lost and without rest. And in us, 
God is multiplying that rest like he did through Nehemiah. Let's go into the story. I don't want to go a lot. Fulfillment has to come beyond me. Fulfillment will never be found in my life if it's all about me. God was inviting Nehemiah to be fulfilled, but he invited him through mourning, through actually getting notice of something that was going wrong about his land, his people. I love when God uses trouble to put us in the right position for the blessing that he has planned already ahead. I love when God creates turmoil and he allows things to happen around us for us to be able to walk into the promise that he has for each one of us. I love when it looks difficult because I know God is the God of the impossible. And if God puts me there, he's going to pay for what he wants. And I'll tell you in a minute what that means. God takes us from what we live. He takes from that that we live. And he actually gives us, he prepares us to be able to have what it takes for where he wants us to go. He takes from our past. He takes from situations that were unfair. And he uses those. He will position us according to his plans through those situations. There's so many times that we say that was not fair. That was not just that that happened five years, ten years ago, three minutes ago. But then later on in life, when we keep on living and keep on walking, those good steps that he has prepared for us, we understand that it was worth it. It was good for us to be afflicted, like Paul would say. And as we go into the story, God prepares us for us to go and to do. He doesn't give us anything for us. It's not about us. God gives us. He prepares us for us to go and to do. It's an active faith. This is not a meditating only kind of faith. This is not empty yourself from you kind of faith either. This is a get it so you can go and give it. This is a to do faith. Faith without works is empty by itself. It's dead. But God keeps us. Nehemiah had the favor and he was ready. He had a life of contradictions. He had a heart for a, a land that he had never seen, but he was being faithful to a land that kept him captive. It's a, it's a life without a, a lot of contradictions. And so many of us have many contradictions in our lives, but contradictions only come, only come not to kill the purpose of God, but to really get us near and prepared to follow him and to live it. It comes to enlarge us into the, the measure of the task that is for us. As we go to chapter 2 in Nehemiah, he's actually talking to the king now. This happened several months later. And he says, early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of Artaxerxes, I was serving the king his wine. And I had never been before him, appeared sat in his presence. So the king asked me, and this is a king that you don't want to fool about, because this is a king that even killed his own brothers for that place. Why are you looking so sad, he asked. You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. The trouble in the heart of Nehemiah. He's fasting, he's praying, he's looking for God. Had lasted months. Some of us don't know how to pray more than five minutes. Some of us don't want to pray. If it's going to take five months for God to deliver. We say, why do I have to pray for five months? I'd rather pray in five months. If that's when you're going to do it. But Nehemiah had a different heart. You know when you're in the presence of someone big, because 
they are not demanding from God, they are there for whatever God wants to do. Big people, big faith comes, big things happen through people that are learned on waiting in God. And in this place, Nehemiah is sitting, but in his face you can see that he's troubled. And the king is asking him, hey, oi, you're not sick. I've never seen you like this. It must be that you have, a, you have a big problem inside of you. And he said, then I was terrified because he knew what this king would do. But I replied, I encouraged myself. Long live the king. You go through the motions. How can I not be sad, but you are real, you're vulnerable. For the city where my ancestors were buried is in ruins. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? This is the same king that had him as his right hand. He had seen that this man would drink what was supposed to be for him. And if someone wanted to kill him, this man would take it on himself before. His job was to actually protect the king. So the king had learned to love him, to recognize him, to see how he was how he was in his, in his appearance, in his countenance. He, he would see his face. He was very perceptive. How can I help you? The king asked. But with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied. If it please the king, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors were buried. The king with the queen sitting next to him, beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? And after I told him how long I will be gone, the king agreed to my request. Verse 7 says, I also said to the king, Now that I have your permission to go, I've been getting ready for months now. That's what it would do if you persevere in prayer. God will get you ready. And even if you don't have what it takes, He will provide it for you because you have been able to contain the vision of his heart. Nehemiah was a man that was consumed with the vision of the heart of God for the people of Israel and Jerusalem. Although he had not even met it, do you have a heart for people that you have never met? Do you have a heart for the people of a city that you have never met? Maybe you have moved into a city and you say, well, maybe I'm not from here. That's why I don't get them. But the love of our God can permeate through all the layers of our heart and give us a heart for a nation, for people that we don't know, that we might not even speak the language and who will make us better at it as we go along the way. Are you with me? Then the king that was sitting beside him asked, how long, how, how long you be gone? When will you return? And after I told him how long I'll be gone, the king agreed to my request. And I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them, giving them instructions, you know, them to let me travel safe, safely through their territories on my way to Judah. Take away all the bullies. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, your forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple's fortress for those city walls, and for a house for myself. You're going to pay my house, essentially, he's saying to the king. 
And the king guaranteed his request, granted his request, because the gracious hand of God was on me. That's the cherry of the pie. All of this happened months after he had been praying. All of this happened out of the blue. He didn't wake up that day understanding, okay, today is the day that God is going to give me everything that I need to go and do what I've been mourning about. But he was faithful on the little. He was faithful on the days he couldn't understand it. And never, never he would have thought that that day, that day was a day of blessing. We're living in days of blessing where God is saying, if you, can, if you can hold on to my vision, if you align with my vision, if you put yourself in the correct position, you align yourself with me through prayer and repentance, I can start dwelling in you and creating in you a heart. I can start preparing you to do what I have set for you to do. Without this, Nehemiah will have never been in the book. Without this, Nehemiah will have never been in history. Never noticed. He was another cupbearer for many other kings that had one. It was insignificant what he was doing. But God has a way to bring you from, from the, the, the enigma, from the known, unknown, to notoriety. He wants to put you there when he has set you for that. And when you fester his vision, when you align yourself in the correct position, and you form an alliance with his heart, he gets you ready. He gets there and he provides for you as we read. But he knows that it only happened because the gracious hand of God was on him. The hand of God is over your life, is over my life, is over his church in a season like this. It's bringing a new flow, a new fire. We're going to be able to do things that we just dreamed of. That to today has been only a prayer request. But from now, God is turning dreams into realities. He's turning the broken into whole people that bring others out of the same pits. He's doing something new. Can you perceive it? Out of a contradiction, out of the most horrible moment in history where everything has been locked. Everyone has, has struggled with depression. Everyone has been struggling with thoughts. God brings a new revival, a new move of his hand over the nations. The wave is coming. The wave is coming. Contradictions. He had the favor, but he was ready. He understood that it was the favor of God that gave him favor. He actually prayed months before. Let me find favor with this man, he said to God. Let me have favor. And then he waited. He kept on praying. And God said, I will give you favor. God is saying to you and to me, let me give you favor. Are you going to wait for it? Because if you wait, if you're able to sustain the weight of time, I understand how it feels. But even if it tardies, wait because the vision is coming to life. He waited, but he was ready. He had the favor, but he was ready. He had favor, he had letters, he had materials, and he had an army. The king even gave him an army, an escort, to even help him with the, the territories that he was going to go through. But why? Because he was not selfish. He didn't have a selfish heart. He had a heart given, aligned for the vision that God had given him. He was aligned. He was not selfish. Every day, every day, he had proven this to the king. 
and I, I won him great favor. He was not selfish. In front of the king, he would take his cup. As we said, he had proven that that will give us favor when you're not selfish. But when you're selfless, God will put you in positions. He will put you in a place of prominence to be able to do what he has told us to do. And he's going to provide for you. He, was, he would not waste time either. He was not wasting the favor and he was not wasting the time because he was focused. He was focused on the task. The task was actually to rebuild the, the walls and the gates. The walls and the gates. The protection and the celebration. The walls and the gate. He was focused. He was focused because the task was more, even more important than his life. When he was asked, why are you sad? He might have been afraid. He might have gone to God and say, hey, you know what? You open the door. I'm going to go through it the way that you want it. But he was ready because the task was more important than his own life. Imagine saying to the king, can I go and can you pay for it? The same king is famous in history for doing atrocities with the peoples around. These are the people of Persia. But the task was more important than his own life. And he knew in who he was trusting, in whom he had prayed, and who was opening the door for him. So he was ready to walk through it. He was living for more than himself. And as we see that, as we live in agreement with God, in alignment with God, we see that we might, might come from actually peoples and, and a whole lineage of people that have been self-building. More than ever around the world, we have been taught, we have been brought up by generations that have been trying to build themselves to a certain standard, but they have not built a relationship with God that honors what He wants to do with them most of the times. So we have been given the wrong idea. And more than ever, we have to understand that may, maybe they will improve themselves. When you have a lineage that is one to improve and you go somewhere in life, but that doesn't include, or it doesn't go around, if I could say, around the projects and the vision that God has for their lives, they might improve, yes. But improvement doesn't mean alignment. And improvement, you can end up alone. And improvement, you can end up depressed and suicidal. Although you could be suicidal in a jacuzzi, you can be suicidal in a private jet, you still be suicidal and alone. That's improvement today. But being aligned protects us from all these things that we crave for, that society is saying we need the standards of this life, the standards of this world. It protects us and it gives us the hope of glory that we need to live day in and day out focused, aligned with God, understanding His heart, wanting to grow deeper into His presence. And actually, when it, that happens, you are made whole. And as you've been made whole, and this is a life story, this is not a second, it might mean that God has to touch several times, that you might have to align different areas of your life and your understanding with God. You are gonna, you're going to seek to give it to others as well. When God is doing this in our lives, it's inevitable to give it and to give it freely. Like the Bible says, you know what? I've received it freely and freely I will give it. Are we praying for something bigger or beyond us? Nehemiah gave us a great, great example of a man or a person that had a prayer life that was praying for something bigger and beyond him. For something that he didn't have to relate naturally to be able to love it the way that God loves it. 
this moment in this season, God wants us. Wants us to understand that if we're not praying for something bigger than us, we're praying the wrong prayers. What do people lose when they lose me? What do they lose when they lose you? If I can ask even a better, more complete, that's in the individual, but I want to ask it in the collective. What do they lose when they lose our church family? What does the community lose when we are not there anymore? What do they lose? Because that's as much as Jesus that we're bringing. We're not bringing only charity. We're not called to be charity. We can do charitable things, but we're called to bring Christ. We're called to pray for them, to hurt with them, to celebrate with them, to provide that oil of gladness for them, like Isaiah 61 would say, to bring him out of their doubts and darkness and dungeons and their lack of hope and distress and depression and to change that for a new dance, a new song, a new beginning, to get them in touch with the rhythm of the heart of God. That's our calling. God has called us to pray for something beyond us, beyond what we know in the personal and the collective. Our position and our gifts, what we have emotionally, spiritually, financially, in whatever way, our gifts and our position is to bless others to affect their lives in such a way that they will know Christ. That's the gospel, that's the story in Nehemiah's life, and this is a story for us. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to convey with us. We will go crazy talking about the walls and the, and the doors, and usually that's where everyone talks about Nehemiah will go, but today I feel the Holy Spirit saying, the true richness was in the heart of Nehemiah because he spent time in the presence of God, and he could cherish what God was cherishing. And he was saddened because he could not see the presence of God manifest what he wanted to manifest. And God saw that and he honored that. God is looking to honor us, but we need to align ourselves. It's a season of alignment. Others were living in the midst of the ruins. It's funny how the one that was gratified by God, Hanani, his name means gratified by God as we said at the beginning. He could see the ruins where the others were living, but he didn't do anything. Story says that he came and just talked to Nehemiah about it. And Nehemiah, that his name looks and sounds and means, God comforts, was ready to live his name. Don't be so gratified with the things that God has given you that you forget to comfort others. It is so easy to to just fall into our own, into our me, 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 when we have been gratifying life. When you already have grown and your cattle has been multiplied, the Bible will say, don't forget me and my commandments, says your Lord. Today we're looking, looking at situations that maybe we have something that the people need. Maybe we are seeing people that are living in the ruins, like Nehemiah had to hear that his people were doing. The, the story says that they were living in ruins on a deserted place with broken walls and burned down doors. Maybe we have a city like that today underneath our feet. Maybe we open the doors of our houses and we can see there's a need, there's a city, there's a people that are living in ruins, ruins in their hearts where their gates have been burned down. Their security is completely torn 
by lies in society, by abuse. And God is saying, hey, I can see your government. I can see your society. I can see your city. It's not living for the fullest of its potential. Can I have your heart? Some of us will look at the ruins in our own lives or someone else's life and be so at terror that we will stop loving as we close. We might have a lineage of self-building in the generations before us, but God is calling us to step aside of that and live to the fullest of the potential that He gives us. You don't have to improve yourself. You got to love God and let Him give you the favor that you need for the season. If the vision was given by God, He's going to provide the materials. Just be ready. Have a deep understanding of your calling. And as He opens doors, you walk through them. And whoever walks through that door, make sure, make sure you bring someone else with you. Because it was not only for you. The blessing. Don't be, become so gratified in God that you stop comforting people. But remember, you have to wait. You have to wait upon the Lord. And you will become the comfort of others. And you will not lose sight with the gratification that the Lord gives you in this season. I believe the Holy Spirit has talked. And I believe that He deserves us to be able to respond in a natural, personal way. I usually would pray for us. But I believe today it's a call for us to pray for ourselves. It's a call for God to say, God, you know what? I want to hold your heart. I want to hold what you have in your heart for this city, for these people, for my community, for society around me, for the sphere of society that you have given me, to be able to invest my life through the gifts that you have given me. This is a call for prayer. God today wants us to, to remember that prayer has power and that He hears and it leads us to align with Him to put ourselves in the correct position. He wants us to understand the power of alignment. If you are listening to this and you are not yet a Christian, don't worry, we can fix that in a second. I know that maybe you remember things and maybe this is kind of lingo for you, a bit weird, but where would we be for a second? If you have not given your life to Jesus and you are listening to this and there's something in you that is moving, the Holy Spirit wants to give you a new beginning. God is touching your heart. He's doing something and He wants to share with you. It doesn't matter where you come from or what has kept you captive through the years. He's the God of new beginnings. He's wanting you to be able to walk in what He has planned for you. He has positioned you. He has been able to put you in a place for you to even be listening to this message. That's the favor of God over your life. If you want to receive Jesus and start walking and getting nearer to God so you can understand what He wants for you and what He's planning to do through you, the steps that He has ordered before you were born even, you can pray with me like this. Father, Jesus, I surrender my heart. I know that I have done things that are wrong. And I want to surrender them. I want to ask for your forgiveness. Will you clean my heart and come and be my king, my savior. Come into every area of my life. Have your way. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
if you did that prayer, your Lord has started guiding you, getting to a very Bible-based church, a group of friends that really push you forward to understand Him better. If you're here in the UK, in London, who would love to walk with you, if not, wherever you are, find a church that is following Jesus. As we go into worship now, I want to bless you, and I pray that the words that God has been sharing with us will become flesh and bones, structure, substance for you and through you for many. May God bless you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanchor.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.